0: Blob Talk
1: Radio.
0: Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. This is the 19th episode that I've done. Uh, My name is Corey Englehart, and I'm the host. And I'm waiting here for my guest to call in and log in. But before uh, we do that, I just wanted to say once more, I appreciate everyone who's giving me a chance to uh, talk about baseball and and, um, do this podcast, I'm having fun with it, and Um, It's it's been a a good uh, attempt at trying to still be connected to the game that I love, and I think other people do, at least, that are maybe um, participating or listening in this. And I just want to say thanks. It's been been Mm -hmm. fun so far, and I'll continue to do it as long as I'm having fun and and people are enjoying the time, um, taking the time and enjoying the time of listening to the show. So to see that my guest has called in, and without further ado, I'm going to bring him on and let him introduce uh, himself, and, and we'll go from there. Hello, are you there?
1: I am. How are you, Corey?
0: I'm good. How about you, Ted? Good. Good? Well, yeah, so um, we have met in, in real life. It doesn't happen often for the people I've had on my show, but, uh, why don't you tell the people listening who you are and, and maybe like what your website is and we can get started.
1: Yeah, fun. Um, my name's Ted Swetzler. I'm on Twitter at T L S C H W E R Z. And I run the off the baggy, um, blog at a uh, blog spot. I guess, find out or find everything really on my Twitter. That's probably the easiest place to go.
0: Sure. And you're very, um, just for somebody who, uh, follows Twitter a little bit during the workday myself, you're very, um, aggressive is not the right word, but you're very out there as far as putting information out and, and communicating and connecting with people. And I, I appreciate that. It's, it's fun to follow your feed. <laughs>
1: Sitting at a computer all day, I suppose will uh will do that for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it does for me. That's pretty much my job. So I think I understand yeah. if you're along the same same line. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I wanted to ask kind of how you got hooked up with um, Twins Data, the website that we've kind of met through. Like how how did you get started writing there when you had your own blog? Like how did that begin?
1: Yeah, I guess if you want to take it all the way back, I never had interest in writing or anything. I I played baseball growing up, played a little baseball in college, briefly um, high school, whatever. And I think it was on Twitter. I got approached or somebody had mentioned um, through how many tweets I had that um, a website called fan sided was looking for people to write just for their sports desk and like I mentioned I'm um, in IT staffing so I sit at a computer all day and I mean not all of my day is um, focused on (laughs) doing things I have a lot of downtime or a decent amount of downtime and I think that was two three years ago and just took the opportunity to write you know kind of quick hit pieces on it was sports entertainment really everything across the board and as that evolved, I got into writing with uh, one of their, I guess, branch websites, you might call it. No, fan sites sure. is big on um, branching, kind of like SB Nation, where um, they have fan sites for every, literally every team. Um, and I ended sure. up running the Puckets Pond uh, Twins website for a while. And just, I guess, writing for me is an outlet to be able to disseminate you know, your, your thoughts and opinions on baseball and really the Twins in more than a 140-character um, medium. Hmm. And it wasn't anything I ever, I guess, intended to pursue or care to pursue professionally. It was just that's the way I could share my opinion. And after doing it for a while at um, Puckett's Pond, that was paid and it wasn't, I mean, that wasn't something that I really wanted to, you know, grind away at. I wasn't doing it, excuse me, to be paid or, you know, make the little commission here or there. So it was like start my own blog and do it when I have time and kind of go from there. Um, and through that just met, you know, Seth and John and some of those guys from twins daily, Nick, and they had approached me, I think four or five months ago to, um, bring me on as a regular contributor. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, they do an incredible job and, having, you know, that medium to again just put your opinion out there is is awesome cuz really the the crux of doing it is having baseball conversation. I don't really care if people agree or disagree or whatever, but just being able to talk about the sport and bounce ideas off people and that kind of thing is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Like that's part of the fun of baseball for me too. Like you can um at at least for my dad but other family too like you can completely disagree about politics religion pretty much anything in life that you can have a conversation and get back to connect with people when you talk about baseball it's kind of nice to have that to still be able to reach people in in a way that maybe isn't easy for for some going forward
1: Yeah. yeah there's really a common ground with it i mean you can you know, I mean, there's enough numbers in baseball and statistics and everything else that you can, you know, turn narratives to fit maybe opinions you feel or when you write a piece, it's um, maybe with a little bit of an added, you know, slant of, you know, your own opinion or belief or whatever, but as you share Mm -hmm. that with other people, they interpret things differently and it, it forces you to think, you know, through a different side of an argument or maybe that's not the way this is interpreted or there's a better player out there for this or it didn't actually mean this or whatever the case
0: yeah you can always be right if you put it a certain way <laughs> Right. <like> that. <laughs> yeah and it's I mean
1: it's weird for a sport that has such a, a long season
0: um, to
1: consistently want to consume it but it, I guess that's just kind of where I found myself I play, I play fantasy football and I watch the NBA here and there, but, I mean, nothing consumes me like baseball does.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, okay, so I'm going to go back a little bit. Right away, when you were talking about your background, you mentioned that you played baseball, and I wanted to hear about your your um, playing days, your backstory on, on that, maybe when you started as a kid, or um, you mentioned high school and college a little bit. What? what tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, kid forever, as long back as I can remember, played in <laughs> high school. I went to a smaller high school, um, so that scene wasn't you know, great or didn't um, amount to anything. Um, but I played uh, Legion baseball and VFW baseball growing up, and then um, I actually ended up going to Concordia St. Paul in college um, and played for a spring semester uh, – or a fall semester, I'm sorry – Um, and just, I, I didn't really still have the heart in it. So I ended up running track in college and I only played baseball for a few months and, um, called it a career, played a little bit of town ball after graduating and in college and then played softball for, I don't know, a couple, couple summers after getting out of college. And I think it was about a summer or two ago, I, dislocated my knee just randomly swinging one game and that was it i mean (laughs) i've torn my acl i've torn my meniscus i've you know you go through whatever and there's no pain i have ever felt like that i don't Mm. know i haven't gone to
0: a batting
1: cage that's just not something i ever want to feel again
0: Nope,
1: no, no argument
0: here. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like in a similar vein. I haven't done anything to my knees yet, but they don't feel great. But um, a couple years ago, three, four, maybe three years ago, I was playing softball and I played town ball too, and was, I, I had one of those plays where I was, you know, medium deep for softball right field and just kind of let it fly. Um, never having felt the pain that I felt after that throw with baseball, and I think after that point, my shoulders has never been the same, even after having shoulder surgery to try to um try to make it feel normal again It's just getting old kind of sucks i guess i I learned. yeah
1: absolutely, and I think you <laughs> you don't you don't consider i mean sitting here talking about softball and whatnot you know just makes you sound old and whatnot, but you don't consider. Mm-hmm. You know your beer league softball, or even if you are going to tournaments and whatnot, as the same level of competition as you do an organized, you know, college baseball game or something. So you're not sitting there working out during the week; you're staying in shape that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it Mm -hmm. catches up to you. I mean, I never got hurt as a kid; never broke anything, and within a matter of uh, I think three summers of meeting my wife and whatnot, she thinks that I get hurt all the time because one summer I broke <laughs> my hand diving for a ball. The next summer I dislocated my knee and I have a torn labrum, all from softball. So I guess it uh-huh. goes to show you shouldn't, you know, be just gearing up one day a week.
0: <laughs> sure. <clears throat> well, and don't get old. That's the other, the other. Well, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> and out of shape and
0: whatever. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, so I I've um I kind of have one question mostly that I ask everybody that I have on my podcast just because that's kind of the reason I started this show. Um, why baseball? Like, what what got you into the sport?
1: I think because you know it's um it's a cliche definition of it, but it really is a thinking man's game. Like, yeah, I understand there's a lot of people that, you know, break down football or break down basketball and we'll watch film and whatnot. But I I don't mean to that level of analysis, but understanding like baseball, there's eight different outcomes that you should know on every single play before the ball is even pitched. And then that changes Mm -hmm. with the next pitch and just understanding, yeah. Okay. There might only be 15 balls or Whatever put in play in any given game, but really, you have you know hundreds of mini games going on inside of the game, so it's it's a constant action. I don't ever understand um people saying you know it's a boring sport, well, yeah, if you're just you know sitting there waiting for the next home run or some big hit, absolutely you're gonna find it boring, but um just analyzing the game. Even while it's going on, before you get into stats or sabermetrics or anything after a game, realizing that for the three hours that a game goes on, or four if you're watching a Yankee game, um, <laughs> it it just there's so much more than just what you're viewing on the surface.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so why why did you like baseball as a kid? Was there like a specific player or players that you really Were role models or, like, a coach or or a family member? Was there somebody that helped you get Uh, into loving the game?
1: I mean, my dad was an athlete when he was younger, and we'd play catch and stuff like that. But I don't think that – I mean, I played everything as a kid. I played football until, I think, middle school. I was a really little kid in middle school. I don't think – I'm about 6'1 now, and I think I graduated high school something like five eight, five, nine, so in middle school I was just okay. tiny and football sure. sucked, you know, getting killed in practice and whatever. <laughs> sure. It just that wasn't my thing. And I wasn't tall enough or a good enough shooter for basketball. So those kind of fizzled <laughs> out as high school went on and whatnot. <laughs>
0: so yeah, just something you could play, but yeah, it's that's that's awesome. I I appreciate the the answer. Yeah. Well yeah. Um I, I, I just know like I as a kid I didn't um, personally really Get into sports much until I was Maybe 10 or 11 because I was kind of the same way I was smaller as a little kid And then at about age 11 or 12 I, I grew quite a bit And then sports was <laughs> fun At that point when I wasn't getting tackled By everybody all the time So right, that's kind of how I grew right. at that point I was more of a Ninja Turtles and Wrestling Figurines guy before that
1: Before about age <laughs> 11
0: <laughs> But to each their own.
1: (laughs) I think I'm regressing because I've started collecting baseball cards and my wife thinks I'm about 10 years old again, so she doesn't really understand it.
0: (laughs) Well, isn't, isn't that the whole thing of um, like baseball to a certain extent is helping you feel young on, on its surface anyway. Like everybody who's, 85 and watching a baseball game thinks they can still throw 90 90 miles an hour and hit a home run. You know, it never goes away, that feeling of trying to be young and trying to be on top of whatever your game was at that point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a cool sport, I guess you bring that up too, that there's, as you age and, you know, get older generationally, it's a sport that you can never stop playing or you can always play. Like you can always go out in your driveway or your backyard and go play catch. Even if it's you know, mm-hmm. five feet away. As far as football mm-hmm. is concerned, you might not be able to throw a football in a spiral after you're, you know, <laughs> sixty years old or basketball, maybe sure. you can't shoot it anymore. I mean going to play catch is one of the oldest thing pastimes there is, you know, anybody can do that.
0: Yeah. And and the dream is you get to play with your dad or with your kids. Like that's kind of the dream right, absolutely. romantic side absolutely. of it, I guess, more than anything. <laughs> yeah. So Well yeah, so I um I wanted to bring up you you write plenty of articles and, and I, I've loved kind of ciphering through them again a little bit over the last week or so since we've talked about this podcast. But one of the things you've started and um, I'm curious to hear if you want to give more information on it, but you, you started doing a series of potential players for the twins to look at in the off season. And um, your first article was about the potential of the twin setting Lance Lynn. And I wanted to hear um, maybe if, if people hadn't heard of the article or seen the article, maybe like um, you can find it clearly through twins daily and you can find it on, on your website too. But if you wanted to give a little synopsis of, why you think Lance Lynn would be a good option for the Twins. I'd love to hear that.
1: Yeah, so I guess first off, they aren't on my website. They're only on Twins Daily. Um, oh, okay. I misunderstood.
0: I, I went down yeah, off the baggie, yep, but I, on, didn't, I didn't see it. I just assumed. I apologize.
1: Yeah, on Thursday nights, I generally publish for Twins Daily, so actually the second one is coming out um, here later tonight. Um, sure. But I think that you know going into the year my thought process regardless of how the twins were this year is that there's a very strong core there that's also very young and there's money coming off the books we've already seen Glenn Perkins come off the books um obviously it's inevitable that Joe Mauer is going to be paid less on his next contract i'm guessing that the twins should um offer him you know a one or two year deal after next year but they have Plenty of money coming off of the book. So, my thought going into the year was you know, this team is young and talented. Let's go out and get you, Darvish, or Jake Arrieta, which in a vacuum is a great idea. It's an uncapped sport, and you can spend as much money as you want. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm you still have to compete with other teams that have much bigger TV contracts, which is where the money comes from. It's not from, you know, your ticket sales or anything like that. The reality is that the twins are never going to be able to compete with the Dodgers, the Yankees, because Fox sports North is a tiny TV contract in comparison. So Mm -hmm. as the season got, you know, longer and you saw things fledge out, I mean, we're going into 2018 with urban Santana and Jose Brios absolute locks with Kyle Gibson, uh, I would say a lock too. I mean, Derek, or Thad Levine's told Darren Wolfson on his podcast that they will tender him and they're not tendering him probably to cut him after spring training. So you have sure. three pitcher spots taken. Um, I think with that, in mind, yes, you would like to see somebody like a Darvish or an Arietta where your water level is significantly raised, but the
0: mm-hmm. reality
1: just, it's not there. And so for a team that the last two years has really cycled through almost three full rotations, finding a fourth and fifth guy that will cement those fourth and fifth spots while also making guys like Steven Gonzalez, Trevor May, Adalberto Mejia, um Fernando Romero, if they're gonna crack the rotation, they're absolutely gonna earn it or that guy's gonna get hurt. Which is that I mean, that's what you want. Instead of seeing, you know, Gonzalez come up because I Mejia's mean, made ten starts and been awful. That that's not how you wanna see a guy replaced. So in that vein, I've gotten to Lance Lynn and I have Three or four more other guys that I'm kind of looking at too, that you can have them on deals either right around, um, Urban Santana money or probably a little bit less. I guess I don't necessarily want to speculate to the market. I'm not great with that.
0: But yeah, and it, it, not on that frame, it might be
1: Urban
0: Santana. It might be Irving Santana money from when he signed in 2013. So it, with inflation, right. it might be even as high that sort of thing, but it won't be breaking the bank like Darvish would. So
1: absolutely. I, I apologize. I yes, kind of spoke up, but yeah. yeah. No, no, absolutely. And so you have that ability to go get two guys um, at a more affordable rate that you can send out there, whether they're considered your fourth and fifth starter or not, it doesn't really matter. But every fifth day and know what they're going to give you. It's not – Hey, are Mm -hmm. they going to get through four innings? Are we going to get zero strikeouts? Whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And I think Lynn is a guy that he's had Tommy John surgery. He's had injury issues in the past, but he's been really good when he's healthy. He's not going to break the bank. Um, He gets a good amount of ground balls, and he also strikes enough people out. It's not a great strikeout rate, but you're not going to get a great strikeout rate from a pitcher without breaking the bank. I mean, at the end of the day, Well, and you're arguably a that amount, guy is
0: not going to be available in free agency either.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Your strikeout guys in free agency are either your Darvish types where they're the most expensive, or they're a strikeout guy that also walks five guys uh, and, um, an outing. And, yeah. y- you know, at, at the end of the day, you'd probably rather take the guy that, you know, strikes out seven or eight guys and has decent command which is Lance Lynn,
0: mm-hmm. So I yep. think he's
1: a decent fit, but he's a, he's a decent fit for a lot of teams. So it's, I mean, everyone needs pitching every single year. So at, the twins are never going to just be able to say, Hey, because you're a pitcher and we need <clears throat> pitching come here. I think <clears throat> with this new front office though, what they need to do or need to stay away from is doing the whole, because you're a pitcher and we need pitching, we'll pay you whatever they whatever you want, which is what they did to Ricky Nolasco and what you know they did with Phil Hughes after one year is offering him an unnecessary extension. I don't foresee that being the case with Fabian
0: Levine. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> well yeah, I, I was I was curious so you, you said you have maybe three or four other guys um as far as prepared. Yeah, agent I was pickups?
1: looking at it. I was looking at it again today. I think I've
0: keyed in on
1: probably three more pitchers as far as starters. There's about three or four um, relievers that I wanted to look at. And then really on the bat market, there's not much. Um, there's a couple big names, maybe one smaller name. But, it. I mean, the Twins don't have a ton of lineup holes. I think they really need a right-handed bat and – potentially mm-hmm. if that right-handed bat could play outfield. I don't like Kenny Vargas in that spot at all and I don't think he's on the 25-man <laughs> roster next year. But I don't also want to go nuts on on paying for that because there's some internal options. I mean, if Brent Rooker comes up, you know, late next year and you offer JD Martinez 150 million dollars or something like that, which they're not going to do. But some yeah. crazy amount, well then what? You know, I I don't know, paying a guy to be a hitter, I think especially when the market is small, you're going to have a bunch of competition. I think they'll be smart with that.
0: Well, and and paying for a hitter like you said, I I just look at like to compare even to last offseason, not that Chris Carter was the answer for the Yankees, but he was available basically up till spring training. You could find potentially a good bat that would at least well, be an upgrade on Kenny Vargas. And Pedro Alvarez signed a minor.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Pedro Alvarez signed a minor league deal with the Orioles, and I think he didn't. I don't think he played with them until September when the forty man opened up. But I think that's really baseball too. Expanding to the idea that you absolutely must be more than just a home run hitter, which Mm -hmm. I think also comes with the caveat that people need to understand strikeouts aren't this negative thing they're made out to be either. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you ca- every time Aaron Judge or even Miguel Sano probably needs that, Miguel Sano absolutely needs to work on it next year. I mean, he can't strike out sure. like he did this year because he didn't walk. But it bothers me when people talk about Aaron Judge's strikeouts because the guy is constantly on base. He has a ridiculously mm-hmm. high walk rate and he's hitting mm-hmm. home runs. I don't care if you strike mm-hmm. out all the time, as long as you're getting on base and hitting home runs. If you strike out oh, yeah. and your walks lag behind, hi, Miguel Sano.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, if you strike out, you're not hitting into a double play. That's better, better right. than a double it's, play. I mean, it, you look at it that way.
1: Exactly. There's Not all outs are created equal. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so... Um, on that, road. Do you want to give a teaser to who your person is that you're going to be writing about tonight, or I suppose people should just um, log in and, and read it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I or can both, talk about I him suppose. a little bit. He, he's definitely not a sexy name, and he's probably not a name that uh, makes a ton of sense if you look at his numbers, but uh, Tyler Chatwood, the Rockies pitcher, um, is a guy that I really, really like for the Twins. Um, his numbers this year were bad, and or mediocre at Coors field. Well, overall, thing. right. You... But they were very good when he wasn't at Coors Field. And that's where the crux sure. of the argument comes in. He's an incredible ground ball guy. He throws a good amount of sinkers. He gets right around, I, it's just a little bit under 60% ground balls. And for the Twins, I mean, that's a, that's a massive, massive upgrade. Now, he does give up too many home runs. But, again, that's a Coors thing. Um, But I think a year ago he had something like a 3.8 ERA, and I think his negotiating power is not going to be all that strong just because he is coming off a bad season, but he's not 30. He has good numbers away from Coors Field. He's a ground ball guy. He does strike people out. I don't like his walk rate all that much, yeah. but he'd be going to a better better defense, too. I mean, let's be honest, the Rockies are still playing, or were still playing, Ian Desmond in the outfield, which is mm-hmm. fine, but he's not an outfielder. I just think that's, that's the kind of signing that screams Twins. Less money makes sense. Tons of upside there. I mean, if he pitches for the Twins like he did every game outside of Coors Field, that's that's a third starter.
0: Well, that's almost, I mean, arguably almost what Phil Hughes was when he was healthy prior his to getting year. his second outside extension. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep, yeah. Yeah. outside yeah, of, the outside walk. of
0: walking. yeah, I he would never agree with anybody, that. but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I looked it up. He will turn 28 in December, so Chatwood will be 28 all of next year. So, what what kind of contract would you anticipate somebody like Chatwood receiving when the Twins the twins can absolutely say we have an amazing outfield defense. We have a good infield defense and target fields harder to hit home runs and cores. What, what do you think Chatwood, because he's just 28 is going to want a one-year deal to get back on the market? Or do you think he's somebody that's going to need three, four, five years to, to agree? I
1: don't, I don't know that he'll have the leverage to do a five-year deal. Um, because I think that would lock him into something that he wouldn't be getting his maximum earning potential just based on, you know, not having a great year this year. I think, though, he wouldn't want a one-year deal either. I could see a two- to three-year deal um, allowing him to get back on the free agent market in his early 30s and then probably get his final contract. But it's funny looking at – numbers a guy that maybe makes a ton of sense as far as contract is lance lynn lynn just played sure. on a three-year 22 million dollar deal to me that seems right up the alley for uh chatwood I means something under 10 million a year but close um just makes a lot of sense
0: sure and and i'm looking at um chatwood's um just on Fa on right now. I'm surprised seeing that Chatwood is listed as six foot one eighty five. with the ground ball rate you said I I, I I pictured in my head somebody built more like Kyle Gibson at like the six four two twenty sort of range and he's he's more of the burial size, I guess.
1: Yeah. I to say he pitched I, I wanna say he pitched in that uh oh, I can't remember. I wanna say he pitched in that game that um, Barrios was lights out against the Rockies. I know I saw him pitch against sure. the Twins at Target Field this year, and I was at that game. So I I want to say it was that game, but he is absolutely a bean. I mean, he's just ridiculously skinny. Uh, it was Chatwood, actually. Um, sure. That, that game for the Rockies. But, yeah, he's, sure. he's a skinny, tall, lanky guy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He... He hawks it if you look at fan graphs, too. I mean, this year I think he was averaging about 95 miles an hour on his fastball. And yeah. over the last three or four years, I think his average has been right around 94. I mean, that's behind Barrios. That's the fastest probably twin starter, I would imagine. And velocity is something it well, maybe they absolutely have to add.
0: Yeah, maybe the fastest. I mean, Barrios has the fastest average fastball of a twin starter of anybody over the past eight or 10 years outside of guys who've made a couple starts and weren't, weren't cutting it. Like the right, average right. starters for the twins are not averaging that mile per hour on their fastball. It's something that no, I think no. they are looking for to add strikeouts and swing and swing and miss rates. It's, it's something that's refreshing and I think they're going to try to add as well. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. I think we've seen that too, you know, in the post season and down the stretch, whether it's strikeouts or not, you can absolutely not have guys come out of the bullpen that don't throw 90 to 95 miles an hour at least. I mm-hmm. mean, when there's teams mm-hmm. that are deploying multiple guys that are throwing 98, 99, and you bring out a guy that's throwing 87, 88 with junk, I mean, yeah, it might work. And I like Tr- Trevor Hildenberger a lot. This is not a knock on mm-hmm. him. I think he's a great fit. Um, I think you can have maybe one or two guys like that, but your bullpen can't be comprised of that. And I think that's where Derek Felby and Ted Levine will have a big opportunity to, you know, turn course a little bit here um, over the winter with, you know, guys hopefully showing up from within, but also, you know, a signing or two.
0: Sure. Well, um, as far as like starting pitching, just for like, when you're drawing out your potential blueprint for the twins, do you anticipate them hypothetically signing a free agent starter just for starting rotation? Or do you think it's a better chance that they maybe go the trade route? I'm having a hard time reading what they're going to do for the starting rotation.
1: I would sign absolutely at least one and maybe two. I like the idea of forcing, I mean, you have a lot of depth, but, that depth all has warts and question marks. Whether it's prospects like Romero and Gonzalez, or guys coming back from injury like May or Phil Hughes, or you know unproven rookie. I I like Edelbrock Mejia, but mm-hmm. there's not. I mean, yeah, Molitor might have had a quick hook, but there's not a lot of you know trust that he's going to get deep in a game, even if Molitor doesn't pull him out quick either. So I think that at least one makes you feel better about your rotation and maybe too. Now you could probably raise the bar a little bit um, trading for somebody as opposed to signing like a Lance Lynn or Tyler Chatwood. But the problem is the twins, in my opinion, most expendable asset is probably Nick Gordon. And Nick Gordon is not a headliner in a Chris Archer deal. He's not a headliner in a Derek sure. Cole deal. I, I'm, down on Nick Gordon to a certain extent. I think he's a nice player, but I don't think he does anything well. He's not a plus bat. He's not a plus glove. He might not stick it short. I mean, there's a lot to like as a regular, everyday player, but I don't think at this point you can say that he's going to be an all-star anytime time in the future. And You know, you're going to... I guess if, if a team is willing to take Nick Gordon and a Max Kepler type... Maybe entertain it because you have some depth or you could go out and replace that. But I'd struggle to give up too much um, for for a trade just because I, I don't know what a team's going to ask for and I don't think um, Twins fans are going to want to hear the prospect names that actually take uh, or are required to get the type of return that they're thinking.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what I'm kind of thinking, too. With with free agents, like you've said, whatever your thoughts on Gordon, they may love him, they may think he's trade bait. Um, regardless of that, signing a pitcher or a free agent, however you look at it, you're only giving up money. Like You don't have to give up anything as far as potential assets for whatever you think of them or whatever the trading team would think of them. So there is some safety in that where there's not a salary cap and you can just give money to the player to have them play for you. So I see that why that's maybe optimal if, if that's an option, but then having to outbid teams, like you've said, with, with bigger TV contracts, like that's just, it's difficult (laughs) to.
1: Yeah. You kind of have to learn
0: what Lance Lynn is getting. Yeah. If Lance Lynn is getting an offer of 18 million a year or 20 million a year from another team, because they have, that money more easily accessible are you willing to go 23 for a player like that to get them to sign here it that's a balancing act they have to figure out and that's that's what's going to be interesting about this offseason too
1: yeah i absolutely agree i think in in trading prospects to you there's a very I guess, teeter-totter way about it, that you want to deal a guy before he blows up for you. You don't want to deal them, Mm -hmm. obviously, after they have just an awful season or their value goes down. Someone like Cole Stewart, for example, his value is nothing Mm -hmm. now, even though he still has upside. Um, Mm -hmm. But you also don't want to deal a prospect that might be on the upswing of that teeter-totter where – Okay, let's hold on a couple months. They have a great couple months at Double A AA or Triple A, and now they're on the big league roster helping us out. I mean, it's just a, it's a balancing act of how and when to execute that deal, and you don't want to do it too early.
0: Agreed. Well, it, so I've, I I've been more trying to figure out potential. Um, Trades, I guess, than free agents. Just for thinking about the uh, blueprint ideas, I I've, I look at what Cleveland's done to try to get a framework for what Salvi might try to accomplish. And I, I haven't seen Cleveland sign a lot of free agent starters. They've absolutely gone for the free agent bullpen route, and I'd be fine for that too. But I I, I I'm just curious, like what the Twins will do compared to if I was making the decisions, I almost feel like it would be completely different. But I feel like if I I was making the decision, I'd try to trade for somebody, not Cole Stewart necessarily, but maybe somebody that has had um, a down year or two, but is still young and still throws hard. And that's maybe what I would, I would almost guess the twins would try to do outside of signing a free agent, maybe try to trade for a player that may be undervalued based on, um, win-loss record, ERA, um, high walk rate, something like that, trade players for a pitcher like that that you think you can turn around.
1: I think that's something, too, that you see evidence in Felby's track record is that whether it's free agency or not, maybe you know the Indians just didn't identify anybody that they really believed in free agency-wise, but that he comes from an organization and he has a background of being able to identify pitching and knowing that there's a plan. I mean, finding a guy like Corey Kluber is always the easy example, but um, Mm -hmm. Carlos Carrasco um, developing him through the minors as the last piece in the Cliff Lee deal. I mean, just Mm -hmm. knowing that he's had success and been in an organization, having success finding pitching, I think should provide a little bit of comfort regardless of where that pitching comes from. And as, I guess, a a bounce off of that, too, I mean, as much as talking about adding players and whatnot to the organization is exciting, I don't think I've been more excited about the Twins um, in the offseason than I was with their move on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was um, with John Manuel uh, joining the organization. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible hire Um, he's so so connected in the game incredibly good scout baseball america is an incredible publication i i i mean that might be the biggest pickup of of the offseason
0: sure i i had that as a note to read on about your thoughts but yeah he's, he's yeah jump ahead there. podcast weekly and yeah it's 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 interesting that um Falvey and he have a relationship before Falvey even was um hired by the twins and and for Manuel at least from the quotes from it sounds like he kinda offered to Falvey, Hey, why not give me a chance to scout? I'd love the opportunity. Like Which I think the twins are almost lucky that how he fell he... into their lap. Yeah, exactly.
1: It speaks a lot to his feelings of Falby and also his belief in the organization, because uh, I have on Twitter and I don't know Terry Ryan. I've never interacted with Terry Ryan. I have no idea about anything to do with Terry Ryan. And I don't know sure. John Manuel either, but I'd be willing to put a lot of money that he does not make that offer in Terry Ryan's regime. One, because the structure is just different and I don't think the styles mesh. And two, because the twins aren't in the same place. So I think it's really a, Perfect, excuse me. Perfect combination of him believing in where the twins are at, and believing that he can help them going forward, and then also having a very good relationship with Derek Falvey and respecting him to the point that this is something I want to be involved in.
0: Yeah, and that's exciting. And and I, I know I read it at least one place. I don't th- I don't remember who was twins Taylor or not. It doesn't really matter, but. Um... Hiring somebody like John Manuel, who has the connections and knows literally everyone within every front office in Major League Baseball, as well as on obviously um, anyone that's anybody within amateur baseball, um, he might not even need to scout any games or any players going forward. And just having his Rolodex and his connections across the league have to be a boon to the front office
1: his previous employer has scouted 10 year olds for crying out loud. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean like baseball America is as clued in as it gets and just, Mm -hmm. you just took their head honcho. I mean, obviously there's other people in that organization that are very good at what they do, but he's a well-known name because of, how he's established himself and the more well-known names because of how they've established themselves on the twin side, the better. I mean, you want, you want your teams, your fans, your players to be in good hands. I mean, the more well-connected people I'm all for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and really uh, the way they've done with, um, Jeremy Zoll and, um, uh, Adler, I'm forgetting, Daniel Adler, I believe.
1: Yeah, yep. and even coming into the so we, uh, Jeff Pickler and Roush.
0: yeah. But it, it seems like the move to add more diverse voices and more people with maybe different backgrounds and specifically baseball, I I, I feel like that's healthy, frankly, for any organization to have different voices and different different people speaking up that that have the intelligence of the the ones they're bringing in like even if they're not the ones that in the end make the decisions of the players to acquire it can't be a bad thing to say like this guy thinks that you should acquire this player because of this statistic and this guy thinks you should acquire this player because of um whatever reason they bring and just to have different input is, is, is healthy rather than just maybe yes, man, that maybe some organ, I don't know. It's hard to say what the, what the front office was like before, but it's exciting to hear new and, and talented people being brought in and wanting to be a part of this.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's ever a bad thing in having constructive discussion um, or argument. I mean, having your opinion challenged, forces you to substantiate it and forces you to question it. And if you come back to the same, you know, conclusion, great. If it makes you reach, you know, a different period that you think a little bit differently, also great. So yeah, sure. I, I would absolutely agree.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's just fun. It's fun for hearing that big time people want to be in our Agreeing to be a part of the team that I'm a fan of is is fun as a fan to see what maybe the next couple, three years hold. Like this off season doesn't have to be, you mentioned it before, how I was kind of on the same wavelength coming into the year. Like Arietta Darvish, like a big name player, you need to bring them in. And that's not, I mean, that's great, but it's not necessarily the answer. It's more, what are we going to do over the next Two years, five years, ten years to be a consistent winner, and it's fun to have people in charge that um, you can trust can bring that bring that to Minnesota. And
1: seemingly, or whatever people that also believe outside of the organization enough that this play or this organization is going to places. I want to be involved.
0: Mhm. Agreed. Well, I wanted to ask. um Outside of starting rotation, when you're looking at potential free agent bullpen help, which is absolutely the Twins need more than anything in the, the Yankee game. I was going to say the series, but the Yankee game for the playoffs was as obvious a reminder that they need help in the bullpen as any. Is, is When you're looking at potential fits for bullpen help, is there one or two people that you keep coming back to as saying, If I was in charge, I would back up a Brinks truck to this person to make sure that they are pitching for the Twins next year.
1: I think the easiest name to go with, and I know I had a longer list um, written down that I I intend to get through, but the easiest name to go with is Brian Shaw. I mean, he's he's not Mm -hmm. – he's still young enough to um, have – you know, maybe a little prime or upside or whatever you want to call it left. He has that fallby connection with being with the Indians. Um, he's got closer stuff. He throws hard. I mean, I love everything about him as a fit for the twins. I think that would be a great signing. I know that obviously, again, that's a guy that there's going to be plenty of other teams. Um, they're, you know, buying for his services, but that's absolutely the kind of guy Um, that a Twins bullpen needs. And I think, you know, we've heard about bullpens being so integral since, you know, the Royals lights out bullpen the year they lost the World Series and then the year they won it. And it it hasn't gone away. Yes, you absolutely need to have starting pitching, and that doesn't supersede that. But we still see, even if you look at the postseason this year, I mean, watching the ALCS, I don't know how – an Astros fan can feel great about them winning this series, regardless of having home field advantage the last two games, because they don't have a bullpen. I mean, Uh Ken Giles is, is okay at the back end and he throws hard, but you're playing a team that can turn a game into a five inning start. And they have six different relievers that they can throw at you. And it's not just Chapman and the who's been really bad or Robertson, but they have Chad green. They have, Uh um, I'm blanking. they have Chase and Shreve is even
0: good. Yeah, yeah
1: they have Tommy anyone with they roll like six out. Six or seven is guys to, that
0: would be the Twins' best reliever, agreed.
1: Right. Anyone they roll out is going to shut you down. And multiple mm. uh, the two teams that, uh, like I said, I would love to see the Astros in the World Series, but they're going to have to figure out how to hit or something because the two teams that are looking at making it right now, the Dodgers too, they can turn a start into a four or five inning start and it's over. You're not, you're not scoring mm-hmm. on their bullpen.
0: Mm-hmm. Or a one out start in terms of the twins this year. Yeah. That was too bad. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't need to rehash that. I don't want to feel the pain. No, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I like even just outside of it being a Cleveland and Falvey connection. I I love the idea of Brian Shaw, somebody like that that over the last five years I think I read hadn't pitched less than 64 innings any year and averages about a strikeout an inning and only averages I think it's I know it's under three walks per nine and that's just something that stability you're paying for stability and somebody that maybe can be the traditional closer or maybe can be the guy that comes in in the sixth or seventh inning when there's two on and one out and you need to get out of it that's something that, and the they, more guys like need.
1: that you bring, the more guys like that that you bring into <laughs> the less exposed. And I've been hard on Molitor as far as um, bullpen usage goes, and I think a lot of managers misuse their bullpen, but Molitor misuses his bullpen because he gets stuck on certain guys that he rolls out every night, whether it be Taylor Rogers for a period or Trevor Hildenberger down the stretch or whatever. And at times they get exposed, but the the less guys that you have that are penciled into certain situations where they're just, that's where they work. Taylor Rogers is a lefty killer for a while. He got righties out, but he got exposed, mm-hmm. but the more, the more Brian Shaw's you can add, the more, um, I don't know, the more quality relievers you have, the less problem you have exposing a guy because you're not going to the same names every single night. When you have a bullpen of seven or eight guys, but you really only trust two of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to feel like you go to the same guys every night and they're getting lit up because they just pitched three nights in a row. Hmm.
0: Well, and that's what I'm hopeful for the off season too. Like I, I, I know I was, harping on Molitor for a lot of the year for bullpen usage, but is it really his fault completely when there's only two or three pitchers that you can depend on at the end of games? Um, Part of that does, well, it's hard to say it falls on Levine and Salvi after one year when they came in without knowing their roster, but I feel like the next year, two, three years is going to be pretty, indicative of what they're thinking they need in the bullpen and in the rotation because they have the ability to acquire players now that maybe they didn't feel like they were ready to do that after signing on before year one.
1: Yeah, I think they did a lot of just biding their time early on um, and just really, you know, taking a look at the situation as a whole and assessing the situation. Matt Blyle wasn't going to you know do anything, but a, a one year deal on a for a veteran like that isn't gonna you know hurt you either way and so I think going forward, you're actually going to see them put their stamp on the organization and um, how they want things run. I think last year was more so all right, we're playing with house money or um, with what we've been given how how does that translate right now?
0: Sure. So, um, if we're we can talk about the twins all day. I love talking about the twins. But um, what would be an off season, as far as maybe not even names, but what are the one, two, three, four positions that you're thinking they acquire these types of players, and that's a successful off season. Is there is there a line for that for you that they need two starters, they need two bullpen guys, they need a right-handed hitter, or is it less than that, more than that?
1: I would say I think a need is a right-handed hitter, not first, not really even on the list, um, but I'm willing to cross that one off right away just based on knowing that they will have options out there and that um, the top options are – Kind of few and far between. Um, there's not that much to get excited about, but I think for mm-hmm. me, the absolute musts are one starter and two bullpen pieces, and real bullpen pieces, not another Matt Belisle type.
0: Sure. Do you th- do you believe, and I'm just I, I'm curious on this. Do you believe that the bullpen pieces are completely from outside the organization, or do you think it's somebody like? If Trevor May were to come back healthy, would that count as one of your bullpen pieces, I guess is what I'm asking. I
1: mean, maybe, but I've been, first off, I don't know that Trevor May can pitch in relief again. I feel like that's part of the reason that he's hurt um, in general is that he just, he couldn't handle, you know, the the warming up and all of that on a daily basis type thing. I think it just um, was, too much uh, wear and tear on his body, um, but outside of that, uh, I, I like the Twins bullpen internal pieces a lot. Um, Jake Reed, Nick Birdie, JT Shegwa, But we've been waiting on them for you know three four years at this point, and
0: mm-hmm. to
1: continue to do that, I think is a mistake. You have to have a contingency plan. And I would like to see them be in a situation where those guys are forcing out, you know, your holdovers, just like a Alberto Mejia or Trevor May would be for, or Gonsalves or whoever would be forcing out a, a starter. I don't want to go into this season thinking we're going to have all these potential bullpen pieces that are ready to help us out internally and be at the same place we are, or we were this year by May where, JT Sheg was out for the season. Jake Reed got hurt to start the year. Nick Ferdy's (laughs) out for the season. Tyler Jay's out for the season. I mean, you can't have that happening again. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, yeah. um, I I guess before this hour hour has gone really fast, before we (laughs) end the show, I wanted to give one more chance for you to say uh, who you are and your Twitter handle and your website and learn with your Twins Daily yesterday, but um, how do people reach you, and who are you? What's your name again, one more time?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Ted Wetzler. you can find everything at uh, at T-L-S-C-H W-E-R-Z on Twitter. My off-the-baggy website is on my Twitter profile. My Twins Daily stuff is always posted there, and um, they're on the front page of Twins Daily, too, so
0: So, yeah, and go and check out your Tyler Chatwood profile later tonight at some point, it sounds like. I'm excited to read that, too. Yeah, and I
1: think it should launch I'm, here I'm you. at 10.30 Central.
0: Great, yeah, I'm excited to read your thoughts on him because yeah, I'm with you. He's somebody that um, I would imagine a lot of teams can dream on. His age and uh, fastball velocity and his numbers away from Coors Field Um, and think that they can buy a number three starter potentially, and that's somebody that I think the Twins would absolutely look at, especially with their fairly high-end outfield defense.
1: Yeah, it's an attractive place to play now. I mean, it's an attractive lineup to have at your disposal too.
0: And knowing that, at least for the next couple years, I would imagine the Royals might not be the same. The White Sox should be down in Detroit. Um having just hired Ron Guyden, Harry, I, will, I wish him the best, but they do not have the lineup that they've had over the last couple of years, so the Twins might be in a good position to really do some things over the next couple of years, and that's fun for me to dream on as well.
1: Absolutely. The AL Central is – I mean, the Indians are going to be there, but the Twins have an opportunity yep. to push them for it.
0: Agreed. So – yeah, Ted, I I just want to thank you for coming on. It's been fun to chat. We'll have to do this again at some point, maybe later in the winter or early next year.
1: Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, have a good night.
1: All right, bye-bye.